0: My mother said to me once that as she got older, she became invisible. And I thought that was the saddest thing I'd ever heard. And I thought, I never want that to be me. As long as I'm on this planet, I am going to believe in myself and be adventurous and take on challenges and have no fear.
1: Welcome to Hypercurious, a show that is all about finding happiness by embracing changes and following our curiosity. My name is Beta Luca. I'm a BAFTA winning serial entrepreneur, angel investor, and multi-hyphenate. Each week, I unveil the most intriguing aha moments and leaps of learnings of successful leaders, founders, authors, and artists, and how they achieve incredible things by staying hypercurious. Today, I'm excited to talk to someone who's full of life. Joe Wood is known for traveling the world with the Rolling Stones as one of the most iconic rock and roll figures in history. Ex-wife of Ronnie Wood, Joe became a massive advocate for environmental change, natural living and organic goods. Join me in this wonderfully curious conversation where Joe tells us how her biggest lows in life drove her to become an entrepreneur and bring amazing products to the world. What she learned about herself and her limitations and possibilities in TV shows like Strictly Come Dancing, Celebrity Island with Bear Grylls, and Celebrity Masterchef. And if you believe in aliens, stay tuned till the end when Joe shares a story about seeing UFOs in my home country, Brazil. Joe, welcome to Hyper Curious. Oh, thank you. It's very good to be here. Lovely to meet you, too. Amazing. You've accomplished so much in your life in industries that millions of people are absolutely passionate about. Music, fashion, beauty, TV. You toured the world with the Rolling Stones, wrote books, started businesses, supported many charities, created your own podcast, and just launched a platform called JoeWood.tv. And I love to know your essence. Who is Joe Wood in one sentence? Oh, my God.
0: Well, I suppose in one sentence, I am a loving mother and grandmother, because I've got grandchildren, 10 grandchildren. I'm an eco-warrior and an, a life-adventurer.
1: Love that. Life-adventure. Yeah. And what, 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 do you, what do you attribute this daring way of looking at life that you have? Were you always like this when you were growing up, or it was something that you developed over the years?
0: When I was a child I was very shy and I didn't say a lot and I hated school and I just wanted to leave because I had this feeling that my life after school was going to be much better and I used to count the days and the years till I could leave and as soon as I left it was like and I became a model because that's that was my ultimate dream and as soon as I there was nobody that helped me being a model because my parents lived in Essex, and, but I had to do it. It was just something inside of me that got on the train, went into London at 16, went to an agency and started working with it. It was just in me. I was just driven by some force, I don't know. And I suppose from then onwards, I just sort of blossomed I became talkative and chatty and this and that and you know I just I'm so different from the girl that was at school that was quiet and didn't say much
1: Wow. I, I resonate with that. I was very quiet too. And and even nowadays, I, I say that I'm an adventurer like you. And every now and then I go back to my childhood and I try to remember the things that I did most of the time. And I only remember that quiet person. But it's fascinating, right? When, when you have a dream and you have something that is pulling you, everything changes. Yeah. There was just nothing that was going to stop me. Uh,
0: and in my class, nobody went off to do that. And I remember I was at a convent as well. And I remember writing in my mm. book, we had to write a story on what we wanted to do when we left school. And I said, I wanted to be a model. And the nun said to me that I was being unrealistic. <laughs> and I remember thinking, I am going to be a model. I am. <laughs> Love that. Yeah. And my father said to me when I told him when I was about 14, Dad, I'm going to be a model. I love Twiggy so much. I want to be just like her. And my father said, if you become a model, it's just another word for prostitution. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. What's prostitution mean?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Wow. And and then you, you became a model. And then what, what happened next? You you fulfilled your dream. I became a model at 16. I was the youngest
0: model. I was the face of 72. I'd just left school. And then I met my first husband. And then we went on holiday to Vegas because he was very flash. I'd never met anybody like him before. And he took me to Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. And I got drunk and we went to the county hall and we got married. Whoa. <laughs> 18. My mother was horrified. She was so upset. And then I had my first son, Jamie, when I was 19. And then I left him at 20. Right.
1: You're like, okay, that's not it. <laughs> yeah, that's
0: not it. Move on. Uh, then I went back to work to support my son. And then I met Ronnie when I was
1: 22 and then everything changed. Again, right? And then you went touring the world and kind of experiencing a lot of different things. And then you, you went into the limelight for so many years for like 26 years with him, right? And then you decided to enjoy life, a different lifestyle and be close to nature in the UK. How, how did it happen? How was the transition for you?
0: So in 91, I was misdiagnosed with Crohn's disease and they put me, well, actually it must've been 1990 and they put me on steroids for two years. And this man, I had a thing come out the paper and I got this letter from this guy called Gerald Green, a herbalist he was, and he wrote to me and said, come and see me and I will put your Crohn's disease into remission for life. So I jumped in my car and went down to see him, and he lived in Hastings, and his house was called Shangri-La. It was like, ah. Oh. he sat me down, and he said, what do you eat? And I went, oh, I get the kids McDonald's, um, I get Kentucky Fried Chicken, I cook on a Sunday, and then in the next three hours he told me all about genetically modified food he told me about pesticides he told me about he just told me about food and how we have come so far from nature and he said let's detox your body and so I started doing this detox and I started feeling better and better and better And then I got ill again and they took me into hospital and they found I had a perforated appendix. I didn't have Crohn's disease. So I laid in hospital and I thought if I hadn't detoxed my body, I could have just died. So and I made a promise to myself from this day onwards, Joe, you're going to be an organic girl. So I did. and, And I still am very much like that today. So it started like that, and then it. So in two thousand and five, I launched because it went from the food to what I was putting on my skin. You know, I I just became completely obsessed with this organic lifestyle, and so when I found read, I read different books, and I read this book, "What's in Your Makeup?" What the hell? And so then I started. My brother gave me a book called The Fragrant Pharmacy and it told you how to make up different oils as perfumes and things like that. So I um, I turned a spare bathroom into a lab <laughs> and I started making all these face oils, body oils, perfumes, giving them to all my girlfriends. And my friend said, "Joe, you should do this properly. So I thought, oh, I don't know about that. And then... My daughter was doing something and my youngest son was off with his friends and Ronnie was doing painting and I thought to myself, I should do this because what else am I doing? I'm just cooking and cleaning. (laughs) So I met this woman called Jo Farley and she introduced me to a formulator, Colette Hayden, and I was off. That was that. I became so obsessed with all things organic, that Keith told me, Keith said once, the trouble with you, darling, is you are addicted to organic food. Yeah, coming Amazing. from you, Amazing. That's a good
1: addiction to have.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I thought, I sat there, but what is he talking about? <laughs> That's how that started. I just jump into something and think, right, I'm going to do that. I think that's the best way for me.
1: You know what? I think Joe, a lot of people who are listening to us who are entrepreneurs, they uh, they will resonate with that so much because a lot of the times we start businesses out of an obsession because we really go deep into something that we believe could be better in the world or could be better for ourselves or, you know, out of yeah. whatever, you know, a problem that we have, a problem that we see in the world, right? And, and I think that's so beautiful. And, and it's a testament of uh, of your, your daringness, but also your motivation to, to be pulled by something bigger than yourself. I remember talking to a journalist and she said to me, a beauty journalist, when I
0: first launched Joe Wood Organics and she said to me, why an earth organic joe? And I said because it's so important what you put on your skin is so important. I was I am still so passionate about What you put on your skin, what you put in your body, it's so important. I spoke to her again and she said, First of all, Joe, I want to apologize. I said, What for? She said, Back in 2006, I talked to you and told you you were mad for doing organic products. She said, And now they're everywhere.
1: Yay! Ahead of the curve. Transatter. (laughs) Transatter. That's amazing. And and what do you think it's uh, it puts, you know, fire in your belly that makes you wake up every day super excited to live life?
0: I suppose it's the passion, you know. It's that passion that you have for something. And, I mean, I still haven't, done what i want to do with joe wood organics uh the last year i didn't do much at all but it was locked down and all that sort of thing and now i'm busy formulating uh i want to do these products to turn your bathroom into your home spa because we've all got used to being at home and i think it's really important to be able to get into a bath and it the bathroom smells beautiful with fantastic bath salts and candles and da, da da da
1: and you feel like you're at a spa when you're in your bathroom i love that i i will be your customer for sure cuz i love that <laughs> i love the sound of it <laughs> so as you as you started um this line of products right in the beginning right how what do you think was like the best mistake you've made as a as a businesswoman
0: i don't know i've made so many I've made so many mistakes. I suppose over ordering, you know, n- not realizing how much quantity I had ordered, you know, without gauging it. All all sorts of things. But but then I think all these are lessons in how to make it better. But I, I believe in my products so much, I, absolutely. So I don't doubt my products. When it comes to the finances, I'm not very good, but I'm very good as a creative. I know that I have a vision in my mind, and I know what I'm gonna do.
1: So, just trying to kind of to pinpoint the the right timings, right? So, when you started the organic line first time, were you still married to to Ronnie? Yes. So, so you went through the divorce after you know 26 years of marriage, and you said in the news that you grew up. Uh, a lot and then you start to look at yourself differently how was it and how did you see that impacting in the business
0: well at first when I got my divorce I had lived in that bubble for so many years a rolling stones bubble where you know you don't go out unless security are with you and you're very protected because of my husband then you know everything you're protected you're not free. So first of all, for me, it was a real shock. And I really felt like, oh my God, the bubble's gone. How am I gonna survive? I remember reading something about a woman who said that she still hadn't recovered five years after her marriage had broken up. And I thought, "Joe, you have got to get back out there pick up where you left off, even though it was 30 years later. (laughs) So I went and joined a model agency and I just thought, yeah, why can't I, even in my early 50s, pick up from where I left off? I've got a little head start because I had so much press happening about all this. And then they came and asked me to do Strictly. And I thought, Oh my God, I can't do that. I can't do that. I've never danced. I haven't been in front of the camera for years. And then I kept talking. I talked to my sister. I took, talked to everybody and they said, do it, Joe. It'd be great for you and your business. It will up your profile. So I threw myself into it. The worst must use dancer. <laughs> but um, I was in for six weeks, I stayed in for six weeks. And I adored Brendan. We're still great friends now, so it was great. And in after it, I did Strictly. I thought if I can do that, I can do anything.
1: How How did you? Uh got mentally prepared to to do Strictly Come Dancing. And for everyone who's listening to us or or, or watching us right now, uh, Strictly Come Dancing, the UK is dancing with stars in the US and Australia. How did you overcome mentally the challenge of, I guess you were learning like two routines, dancing routines every single week and going to live TV, right? It
0: was extremely
1: hard. I think now I could do it much better.
0: Because I've been doing that, being in front of the camera now for ages. So, but for me, having not done anything where I stepped out, I, I suffered a lot from nerves, a lot. I mean, I was, I loved rehearsal. I loved the fitting of the dresses. I loved the makeup being put on. But my God, I got so nervous you know, waiting to go on. And, and the first dance, I just, it just went out of my mind. I struggled at first with my nerves, but slowly I got better so as you get used to things, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it was terrifying at first. I thought, I can't do it. I went to my mum, I can't do this, mum. I just can't do it. She said, Josephine, of course you can. I thought, yeah, well, I'm going to give it a good go. I had lots of support around me. And I think when you experience real heartache like that, and that's another great thing that happened to me. My friend took me to a talk right early after I first separated um, from Ronnie, and she took me to a talk. I wish I could remember this guy who is, I'll have to ask her. And the thing that stuck up most in his whole talk was he said, the only way to heal is through forgiveness, And if you can forgive somebody, you set yourself free. But by not forgiving, you keep yourself attached to that person. But when you forgive them, you cut the ties and you are then free. And I thought to myself, I'm going to forgive Ronnie. You know, and I I forgave him. And I realized he was right. You know, you cut your ties from them by forgiveness. And you feel better for it. You know, I forgive you. Even though I didn't say it to him, I just said to the universe, I forgive him, you know. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And and I guess you feel very grateful for the good times, right? Because you don't want to erase those memories of the good times. You you don't want the bad times to, to kind of overcome the, the good times that you had together.
0: And actually now, when I think of our, our marriage, I don't think of the bad times. I only think of, what a great adventure we had together and what great kids we have. So that's really important. Forgiveness is such a powerful thing. So that made me grow. These sort of things make you grow as a person. And my me also becoming independent and looking after myself with. Nobody around to say, Joe, I'll pay this bill. You know, I had to literally look after myself and I hadn't looked after myself and paid a bill ever. I thought, oh, my God, what am I going to do? I've never paid tax. I've never paid council tax. I've never paid anything.
1: So now it's just normal to me. Yeah, that's good. And when when, when you were kind of going through this transition, right, Did you, before going to the forgiveness moment, did you ever feel that people were doubting you, that you would actually become something bigger than you were before? Uh, My family were fantastic and are fantastic. They really
0: supported me. And I mean, I actually, I went crazy really at the beginning. I started going out clubbing every night. I met my great friend, Michael, And he took me out every night clubbing and, oh, my God. And my daughter turned around to me one morning. I came in at 4 o'clock in the morning and I opened my laptop and my daughter had written me an email and said, Mother, isn't it about time you settle down and stop going out clubbing? Oh, oh God, I'm getting in trouble with my children now. (laughs) So I said, what do you want me to do, darling? Sit at home and knit. Anyway. That's good. That's good.
1: Yeah. You have to live life and find your way, right? So when you, when you went through kind of going back to, to kind of strictly and, and at, later you went to Celebrity Island as well, right? With, uh, with Bear Grylls. Love that. When you look back, exactly. What did you discover about yourself and dealing with those fears and kind of the best aha moments that you had when you had to, you know, do basic survival skills?
0: I felt very liberated
1: when I realised that I could
0: do these things myself. I remember thinking there's nothing that I couldn't do. I jumped out of a plane with my son in Australia. (laughs) I went on a pilgrimage in Tibet with Sadhguru and we climbed Mount Kailash and we meditated at 17,000 feet. I did MasterChef. I, I just just threw myself into life and what it would could give me and I just love every second I loved going on the island that was something I always
1: wanted to do to see if I could survive with nothing and I did and and how do you translate that into business, right? So when you when you look back at those experiences, what are the things that you pinpoint to say, okay, these are the things that actually really helped me now to grow my organic business, to put my organic business back in shape, to to start Joe Wood TV. You know, what are the things that you connected the dots now that you like now? I can see how I can make this happen. Yeah, I think you have to believe in yourself
0: but keep yourself grounded as well. But I think believing in in myself was a very, very important thing. And I hadn't believed in myself in my marriage because it was all about my ex-husband. So, and me raising the children as a mother. You know, my mother said to me once that as she got older, she became invisible. And I thought that was the saddest thing I'd ever heard. And I thought, I never want that to be me saying something like that, I became invisible. As long as I'm on this planet, I am going to believe in myself and do exactly, be adventurous and and take on challenges and have no fear. Because I think having is fear as well, fear of the unknown. So if you can put your fear aside, Nothing
1: will stop you. Your fear and passion and belief, yeah, and curiosity, right? It seems and curiosity. like curiosity. Seems like you follow your curiosity so much. Uh, what, what, what is your advice to, for people who are stuck? Who actually they they say to themselves, "Yeah, I have to believe in myself," but they don't, right? So, what, what would be the practical house? How do you get there? How did you get there?
0: I think to. Um, do something they haven't done before. A little steps, little steps, but do something they haven't done before. Do something that challenges you. I'm not sure. I mean, even if it's just jumping out of a parachuting out of a plane, cycling 20 miles, doing something that
1: pushes you, you'll be surprised of what you learn about yourself. I love that, and. Let's talk about something that I know that you're super passionate about, aliens and UFOs. <laughs> so uh, you're super hyper curious and passionate about, right? Have you ever been uh, criticized for believing that, and tell me more about how this passion started and how it, it has evolved?
0: Yeah, I, I you know, especially early on, I was always told I was mad to, you know, about aliens. And and I, even when I was young, me and my brother would talk about things like, was Jesus an astronaut? Because my dad showed us this thing in the paper once, and it said, was God an astronaut? And we would sit and talk about aliens and other planets and say, but look at all the stars out there. How can we just be the only ones with humans on it? And then about 15 years ago, maybe a bit longer. I was in Recife with Ronnie and the kids, and I was packing because we were going back to San Polo. He said, Joe, there's something weird in the sky. There's something weird in the sky. So I went out and had a look, and there over the sea was a craft with lights that were reflecting into the water. It was, I looked at it and said, what the hell? What the hell is that? And as we, oh, he ran in to get his glasses and as I watched it, it, just lifted straight up, went off to the right, stopped, and then went as fast as you can imagine across the sky. And I just stood there and went, oh my God, I've seen a UFO. I mean, there was no doubt in my mind. And the next day I was on the plane and we picked up the paper and it said, UFO invaders, Brasilia. And the air desk translated it for us. I I knew they were there. I knew it. I just knew it. So that became, gosh, I was obsessed with it. And people back in the 2000s, everybody would say, Joe, are you high? No, not that day. (laughs) had you had a drink no I hadn't had a drink and it was in the paper so yeah people were up until a couple of years ago actually even just a couple of years ago it was very all a big conspiracy and I've been looking and reading about everything Roswell and the one in England I can't think of its name just all sorts of Betty and Barney Hill, who were the first recorded abductees. And, I mean, it's just fascinating. So when my friend said to me, I'm going into the podcast business, Joe, if you can come up with a good subject, we'll record it. And I went, aliens, aliens, Mike, UFOs. He said, all right, let's do it. So that's how, and I've spoken to so many so many interesting people with fascinating stories of abduction and people going into crafts and i just think the whole thing is amazing i want to know more but it's like the more i talk to people the less i know the more you know so i want to find out everything
1: it's amazing and and you know what there's a uh, you probably know a lot about the the zoo uh Hypothesis, right which uh, which states that if there are uh, more advanced extraterrestrial uh, species around the world, they might not be wanting to directly contact us because they might be affecting the way that we evolve. Uh, ourselves naturally, culturally, which is the same relationship we have with the zoo, right? We're animals in the zoo. And the same thing happens with that, like a hundred or so indigenous tribes in the Amazon nowadays that we do not touch them because, you know, we want to protect them. Imagine if one one day they realize that how advanced we are and they cont- we contact them, it might be very, very a massive clash in the system, right? As human beings. So so I, I guess there's this, that element as well. The reason why they don't contact us, perhaps.
0: Yeah, and I think most people aren't ready for it as well. But saying that, the Americans are about to release all these papers on UFOs and just all this information. Maybe we're getting, but when you think about it, why would we possibly think we were alone in this? It would be awful to be alone in this universe with nobody else, just us on this planet. I mean, that would be terrible <laughs> when you think of it the other way. But when you think there's something like 3,000 trillion stars out there, or 300,000 trillion stars, and there's 300 trillion galaxies. I mean, it's just mind boggling. You know, you just can't imagine
1: there's so much out there. So much adventuring too, right? To explore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the adventure side of you is pulling you there already. <laughs> I always want them to come down and say,
0: oh, here's Jo, she believes in us. Let's give her a little trip around the moon. Ooh, yes, please. And put me straight back into my bed. <laughs>
1: That's fascinating, Joe. I'm loving like you know the way that you that you roll and you know your imagination, your adventurous way of life, right? And I I think that a lot of traditional entrepreneurs like me and like you know many of my fellow entrepreneurs, we have so much to learn from from people like you that that takes things take life in a more life light hearted way and more artistic way. What would be the advice that you give to people to build the artistic self?
0: Gosh, I think people that are artistic, it's a natural thing to, some people are artistic and creative and other people are more business side and something that I can't do. I think if you're not artistic, find somebody that is creative and has passion And if you're an artistic and creative, find somebody that's got business. Can is great with business. You can't have. I don't think you can have both. Oh, maybe they. You can. I think you can develop your business side, but I think it takes a lot to sort of be create. I know some some people that say, "How do you do your house, Joe?" I can't see how you do it. And, And I say, "Well, you know, I." Draw a little drawing I have an idea and they say I, I can't do that yet yeah, they can do the business with ease it as my mother would say it takes all
1: sorts to make a world go round <laughs> what what is the legacy that you want to live in the world I'd like to change the world
0: to an organic world I know that's a huge ask but I'm going to try one person at a time. I want to convert into understanding how important it is to look after. You see, you can look after the planet by how we spend our money and what we spend our money on. And we can change that by buying things like organic food. And if you buy just your apples that are organic, it will create a demand for organic apples. You know, and that little, little things. So, yeah, I want to be remembered for uh, trying to change the world.
1: That's so nice. That's so nice. What What are you mostly curious about at the moment? The universe,
0: actually. I lay in bed and I can see because I've got skylight in my bedroom and I can see the stars and i just... Want to know? <laughs> I want to know all about that. So that's why I'm going to do more podcasts for the second series of Alienation because it just fascinates me. I'm really curious to go to Pumapunku and um, see the ruins there and the Nazca lines. I want to go and see those so badly. And I'd love to go to Egypt, see the pyramids and that's fascinating yeah there's I've got a lot to do, and I want to do so much organic stuff. I want to do an organic line for children for young girls because I'm worried about what they're putting on their skin in that the cheap stuff that they buy and the, you know, like my granddaughter is eleven she was well, nearly twelve, and all she wants is this cheap perfume that she sees uh, from these andriana grande and all those and and it's full of chemicals and it's so bad for them you know to start now putting that stuff on your skin so i want to do something so cool for the young girls from sort of eight to 16 which i think is such a delicate age for their immune systems they need to be putting good stuff in them and on them
1: and be able to make the right decisions right when they are looking at cheap versus something that uh, that would be better for the schemes yeah that's that's super important that's super important that is my next thing to do so Alienation is coming back, second series. More stuff to do for, you know, young people who, who have to be better, yeah, looking after themselves and with, you know, organic and good products. That's great. Are there great messages, big messages or any less message that you want to leave your, our audience with today? I think at this time
0: we should uh, have no fear because there's a whole lot of fear at the moment in the world. And I think we should stop trying to be fearful in this life because by having fear, we lower our immune systems, we lower cortisol levels in our immune system. So have no fear and live life. We have to enjoy life. I think that's so important because you just don't know what's gonna happen around the corner. So, and we need to project a great energy.
1: Good energy.
0: That's really important.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. Thank you very much for being the show today. It's been a pleasure to meet you, and I hope we continue to have many conversations in the future. Oh, thank you, Roberta. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening so far. Make sure that you listen to other episodes. You can go to hypercurious.fm. And if you want to stay in touch, I'm around. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. You just search for my name and you're going to find me. If you love this conversation and more, make sure that you also do a five star and leave a comment on Apple Podcasts. If that's your preferred podcast app, it will mean the world to me. For now, ciao, ciao.